Exodus 33, verses uh, 7 through 11, and the word of God reads like this. It says, it was Moses' practice to take the tent of meeting and set it up some distance from the camp. And everyone who wanted to make a request of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, all the people would get up and stand in the entrances of their own tents. And they would all watch Moses until he disappeared inside or until he went inside. And as he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and hover at its entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. And when the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they would stand and bow in front of their own tents and inside the tent of meeting. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. And afterward, Moses would return to the camp. But young, the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. John 14, 6 declares, Jesus said to a certain man, one of the disciples, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Again, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Somebody say, Jesus is the life. We live in a day and age where God has placed like another item on the shelf of our lives. We're, we're noticing a pattern in this year. We're noticing a pattern of how God has taken the back seat of many people's lives. And if there's ever a time to declare that we need to be firm on the word and we need to be trusting as believers, it's now. Right now is the time that, that we need to be more connected. My, my question is, is that how is it that when without a pandemic, there was at times more consistency without a pandemic than now that there's a pandemic, there's a lack of consistency? How is it that when there was a lack of pandemic, Everybody wanted to be involved and it seemed as if the environment and the ambiance and the, the dimension of God's glory was with everybody, you know. And, and now that there is a pandemic, it seems as if we are experiencing a separation from the presence of God. When tragedy strikes... It calls for repentance. When tragedy strikes, calamity strikes, separation comes, it calls for a clinging to the presence of God. Let me add to this by saying when you go through hardship in your life, the only thing that it should be doing, and, and I know that you feel it, but my question is why don't we respond to it? I know that you are feeling it when you're going through calamity, when you're going through suffering, when you're going through hardship. I know that you feel like a magnet to the presence of God just tugging on you like never before. But why is it that we don't respond so easily 
in calamity in getting to the presence of God. And instead we harden up and we stiffen ourselves away from the presence of God. There should be more of a reason that in hardship that we would present ourselves more easily to God. We would easily come close to the Lord. I thank God for each and every one of your lives that, you know, maybe throughout this year you found your way back into church. You transitioned back into assembling with the saints. And I know that there are others in the body of Christ and even in this church that are still struggling in this area. Look, I'm not here to cast a rock or a stone or to throw the burden on you, but you got to realize and think, why is it that when a pandemic ends, God then becomes everything to you? When in the pandemic, God should become everything to you. You cannot say God is jealous when the pandemic ends, but he wasn't a jealous God when the pandemic was going. How is it that the world can bring such relief to us as a church, yet God cannot give us that relief? God cannot be that relief to the church. The Holy Spirit of God cannot be that relief to your life. I, I have been in a time where, you know, I, I have trembled a bit in doing the work of God. Nevertheless, I have to trust God. It's a, it's a choice. It is a step of faith that one takes to trust God. It's not easy to trust God. But then again, we have no excuse not to trust God. Just let me put it in both views. It's not easy to trust God. And everybody says amen to that. Amen. Everybody says amen. It's not easy, pastor, to trust God. We use that phrase to allow laziness in our spirit. We use that phrase to allow uh, a convenience, excuse in our spirit, in our life. It's not easy to trust God. I think we need to start being on the mentality that it's not, not, it's not only not easy to trust God, but as well, we have no excuse not to trust God. God has been so good to you that you have no excuse I don't care if it's a pandemic in 20 years from now. You have no excuse to put God in the back seat. I don't care if there's hardship in your life in the future. You have no excuse to put God second in your life. He has to remain first. If you can go out and get the tree, you can come to church. I want to just focus in on this because... It, you know, the, the, the Spirit of the Lord has been ministering to me this thought right here. See, the Spirit of the Lord told me, just see how my church is going to shift to an on fire when the promise of society says the pandemic is going to end. Just see how my people will act like they're on fire when the, when the, the pandemic seems as it's going to end. And I, I see a lot of people acting hopeful because there's a vaccine coming. I see a lot of hopeful people, and, I, and I'm not 
downplaying all of these things that are happening. I'm not, I'm not downplaying, you know, how people are, are, are positioning themselves to make sure that as a society we are helped. I'm not even saying that there are people that are wicked, doing wicked things, even in all of the plan of all of this. But what I'm saying is when your hope is on the Lord, you're not focused on where the waves of the world go. You're not, you're not worried about what exits the world offers you or what lanes the world offers you. Your hope and trust is in the Lord, for He is the rock of your salvation. He is the hope of your life. He is the present strength of your life, of your steps. Your steps are ordered by God. If there's something that this year has taught me, it has taught me that I cannot put my, 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 my trust in chariots I cannot put my trust on strength of man. My trust and my strength need to be upon the Lord. I'll just talk to you about the last couple months of your life. The last couple months of your life. Have you missed God? Have you missed God? Because when we feel a distance, you have a choice to make. When we feel a separation, we have a choice to make. Will I get close to God or will I stiffen up? Will I harden up? We see the people of Israel here looking at Moses going to the tabernacle meeting. But here is the subcontext of this story. You see, the people of Israel were there and as uh, Moses pitched his tent outside of the camp. He was teaching the people that there was at that time, at that moment that we're reading in, in Exodus 33, 7 through 11. We're reading a time where the people of God knew that they were in trouble with God. And so Moses, as a teacher, like he's a teacher, he's a pastor, he's a shepherd. He teaches the people of Israel what? By taking his tent and pitching it outside of the camp. What is he teaching them? He's teaching them that at this moment, God wants to teach you something. How does it feel to be away from his presence? And so that's why they stood each one at his tent door looking at Moses going to the tabernacle of meeting so that they would begin to miss the presence of God again. And as Moses would go into the tabernacle of meeting, they knew that it wasn't a trick of man. They knew that it wasn't, uh, you know, Moses trying to manipulate them because they seen the cloud descend over the door. I pray that a revival come because we're looking at a cloud descend over the church. I pray a revival would come to those that are feeling distance away from God. And you know exactly who you are. You're probably viewing online. You probably might watch this later on in time. But you're, you're, maybe there's some that are sitting in here right now that feel distance from God. It's time for you to do something about it. You need to quit getting offended with the Holy Spirit and start saying, God, there's a reason why I feel distant from you. There is a reason why I feel away from your presence. There is a reason why I feel like something is hindering my walk like if I can't get into the presence because there is a place in my life where I need to surrender at. there's a place in my life where I, I need to come to terms with you God and see Moses was going into the tabernacle of meeting and the people were looking and they were saying wow I sure do miss those days when I could go in there we're putting God on a shelf, we need to remove the shelf. 
We need to start creating a life communion with the Holy Spirit. I have a question for you. Have we created out of the many resources that God has given us by His grace to be the very essence of our relationship? Some are, you know, and I'm just realizing this now. Some are saying, man, online services have been phenomenal. But when you have the wrong mindset, online services make lazy sheep. When you start looking at it in the right perspective, you got a lot of lazy sheep. Right? A lot of lazy sheep. And it, it, I, you, well, Pastor, you, for the ones that are viewing, oh, Pastor, you're talking about me. You know, no, no, no. There's even lazy sheep in the church because they don't go out and testify. You think by a simple share on your social media that you're testifying. That's not enough. He said, go out into all of the world. He didn't say go into Facebook. He said, go out into all of the world. Amen. Make disciples. Baptizing him in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Saving. I think that we're, with the many resources that we're, we're seeing now in time, are we going to begin to put God back on a shelf? Or will this be a time where we awaken, our soul awaken to God? Our relationship, God on fire again. I pray that you would get on fire again for God. I pray that your zeal would turn on again for the Lord. Pastor, I, I just don't feel it. Pastor, I feel it. I pray that your zeal would arise again. I pray that your fire for His presence would arise again. I pray that your desire to be in prayer would arise again. I pray that your desire to get in His Word would arise again. I pray that you would buy another journal and not just say, well, I filled up five and that was enough. No, I pray that you begin a new zeal in your life that, that, that you would say, you know, this year 2020 was a difficult one, but I'm not going to go in 2021 saying, I'm going to repeat, uh, uh, you know, a dead state of my life. No, God woke me up. God woke my spirit up. God woke up my spiritual senses. You know, when, when we, we sometimes confusingly think we have a relationship with God because we have itemized our time with a supposed spiritual to-do list. When in reality, all we've done is just shut God up with the things that we do on a daily basis. And we do this because we want to appease a guilty conscience. Because we know the relationship with God requires communion. Do you know what communion means? It means fresh. It means fresh. Communion. When you have communion, it's fresh. That means in communion, God's not working on you from old. No, God's working on you as the right now. You see, we don't like communion because that means correction is always fresh. Change is always fresh. Growth is always fresh. We, we like a to-do list. Well, I, you know, I got a couple of things that I need to change in my life. God says, you, hey, it's time to get over that mountain already. You need to break out of that habit already. 
You need to break out of that depressive attitude. You need to break out of that broken mentality. Get your spirit out of the ghetto. Come on, somebody. Get your spirit out of the ghetto. You ought, you ought to be in a, in a nice spiritual neighborhood already. But you want to continue to live in that state. You want to continue to think in that state. And there are times where God says, look, we, we many times have a to-do list because we want to appease a guilty conscience that comes with a communion for life. It's as if we want God in our lives and we undoubtedly profess the importance of that but don't want to talk to Him. How would you like it if I invited you on a road trip and I said, go with me on this road trip but don't talk to me. Would you like it if I said, hey, let's, let's, let's go across this, the United States of America. It's, you know, it's a, a five-day trip, and you say, yeah, you know, right on, you know, but just don't talk to me the five days that we're on the road. How is it that we invite God on this journey, but we don't want to talk to him? Come on, I know that's convicting some of you right now because you have the Lord in the back seat, but you don't want to conversate with him. You invited him on the road trip, but you don't want to have no communion with him. Come into my heart. Make me a new person. Save me. Change me. But don't talk to me. We want the essence of his person in our lives. And we want him in our families and in everything we do and in everywhere we go. But we refuse to have a real relationship with him. And when the trials of life begin, the intensity of hardship presents itself. We go from, I just want you in my life as a shrine. Then we want him to be a speaking God. And in those times where we've treated God like a shrine, we treated God like a statue in our life, we treated God like the idols we left in the world, and then all of a sudden we're in calamity and we say, okay, God, now speak. And then God is silent. That's not retaliation, but it's a teaching and a reviving. When God is silent, God is teaching and reviving your life. He's teaching you how to miss the waters. He's teaching you how to miss the honey. He's teaching you how to miss the bread, the manna from heaven. He's teaching you how to miss his presence. You see, some of you are saying, I don't hear God right now. I don't feel God right now. I feel away from his presence. When is God going to come back in? God is there, but he's just silent right now because he's training you to love his presence again, want his presence again, need his presence again. There's a reason why the people of Israel weren't going into the tabernacle of meeting because they knew, they knew that they weren't in good terms with God. Repentance was needed in the people of Israel. Repentance was needed in the people of Israel. And God is calling his people to communion with him. Communion is the place of which the walls and boundaries display the presence of God. Write that down. Communion, true communion is a place of which the walls and the boundaries display the presence of God. That's what communion is. Communion has nothing to do with the world. Communion is, has everything to do with that city, with that place. That's why they still can't find the Garden of Eden. 
because Eden represents presence. That's the definition of Eden. It represents, the definition of Eden is presence. It was a presence of God. They said it was by this river and by that, between these rivers, but they still can't find it. Because it was a presence. Amen. You are a walking Eden of God. Amen. You are a presence of God. The Bible says in, in Corinthians, you are the temple of God. And where? You are the temple of which the Holy Spirit abides in. Just think about that. You are the temple of God of which the Holy Spirit abides in. And he who destroys the temple, he will destroy the destroyer of the temple. We need to have communion with God. Note that a relationship with God is not what we make it. But in true communion with the Holy Spirit, it's what God makes it. It's how we yield to the presence of God, not how God yields to our presence. You see, when you have communion, it's not about what God can do for you. Come on, somebody. When you have communion with God, it's not about what God can do for you. We, we get in prayer for what God can do for us. We praise Him for what He can do for us. We, we worship Him for what He can do for us. We do, we serve for what He can do. All of those things are for to finding out what I need to do for God. Communion is not what I make out of it. Communion is what He makes out of it. And I pray that after this message tonight that you come out of your desiring to pursue a true relationship with God. Open your Bible because there's a voice that wants to speak to you. Get on your knees, not just for need, but because it's you have a true thirst for worship. That instead of uh, spending time making calls on your work break or, uh, uh, you know, uh, putting a new post or, you know, putting that this is how I feel right now post or, you know, the little pretty letters or the little selfie pictures. Why don't you take time to spend time with the presence of the Lord? Get in a place where you can meditate on the Lord, where you can find solitude. We want God to speak, but we don't give him time. We said, Lord, invade me. Lord, invade this time of my life. It hurts right now. But, but when it's all good, you put them in the back seat. That's what I call intimacy and not communion. We declare, I feel so distant from God. I can't feel him. And I don't doubt that. It's interesting how our phones have taken the place of our memory. I remember when we had to remember numbers, right? I, I still remember the first six of the digits of our number when we lived on Adeline, 498, 559-498, something, something, something. But I still hold the 2681563 number, right? I know my old number, 907-1563. You know, but the point is, we've allowed our phones to take the place of our memory. And I remember a time when we had to remember numbers. My parents' phone number, I had to remember it. I didn't have a cell phone at, at school. My friends' numbers, or we wrote them down in a book. And now we see te technology taking the place of physical memory. If you lost the phone in your pocket, 
in your purse. How many numbers that you have stored would you remember by heart? One and your own. <laughs> I wonder how much you'd know about your God if the word of God was taken from you. That's why David said, thy word I have hidden in my heart that I may not sin against thee, O Lord. He said, I've written your, the word on the tablets of my heart. He said, I remember your precepts in the day. I remember your precepts when I lay my head down at night. It is your precepts that I think about. You can't think about something and read it at the same time. That means that it was stored in his spirit. Without all the things you have itemized your relationship with God, would you have any recollection of what a true relationship with God looks like? Or is your relationship with God itemized with all of the resources that God has given to us as His people? But we've turned it into our source for relationship with God. You need to get back into Bible reading. You need to get back into daily prayer. You need to get back into fasting, regularly fasting. You need to get back into the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You need to get back into those times. I'll just say it by faith. You need to get back into those times where you just turned on a song in your house and you sang away. You probably didn't sing, you know, uh, before that. You didn't have no tune in your voice. But you, because you loved the Lord, you were so in love, you just turned on YouTube or you had a CD, you know, and you would just praise God in your house. You need to get back to that communion for life with the Lord. You ask me, Pastor, what do I need to do to get closer to God again? That's what you need to do. Start investing into your relationship with God. What do we learn about having true communion with God? Number one is this. Communion starts with consecration. Consecration is pronounced in the Hebrew as kadash. It means to be set apart, to be separate. To be devoted, to be dedicated, to prepare. I like that last one, to prepare. Because when you come into the presence of the Lord, you ought to prepare. Let me say it again. When you come into the presence of the Lord, you ought to prepare. I'll say it again. When you come into the presence of the Lord, you ought to prepare. Prepare what? He said, clean your hands. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Only him with clean hands and a pure heart. Well, I'm a sinner. I can't come into the presence. God is not saying if you're a sinner. We're all sinners. But, but can you come in expectant into God's presence that he is a forgiving God and you have cleaned your hand? Oh, sinner. Don't let sin stop you from getting to the presence of the Lord. Make it your mission that God is all forgiving. So you're going to make it in. I'm going to cleanse my heart. I'm going to cleanse my hands, cleanse my mind of all of the impurity and get into the presence of the Lord. That's where communion starts. It starts with consecration. Don't tell me how you failed. Tell me how you're consecrating in your life to get into the presence of the Lord. I want you to notice that Moses took his own tent. He didn't take nobody else's tent. He took his own tent. And pitched it outside of the camp and called it the tabernacle of meeting. And although it wasn't a permanent tabernacle, we know that 
because the Lord had given him a vision of what the permanent tabernacle was going to look like. But it was a temporary tabernacle of meeting. And he established uh, along the line what it would look like. He established this tabernacle of meeting. And Moses had done this for himself to speak with God. But I wanted to point out was that the tabernacle was outside of the camp. And I believe because of the hardship that he faced as a leader. And the difficulty of leading such a difficult people. He sought to establish the purpose that when we seek God, it should be uh, uh, disconnected from the cares of the world. That's what it meant to have the tabernacle of meeting outside of the camp. In other words, the tabernacle of meeting should be a place where we disconnect from the cares of the world. That's why he didn't put the tabernacle in the camp. He said, if you're going to go out to the tabernacle, you better disconnect from your world. Prepare your heart. Disconnect from what just happened at your house. Disconnect from how you've been feeling at your work. Disconnect from the problems that you're facing. Disconnect and connect. There's a, there's a, there's a message in this because right now we're in a place and a long time ago you should have disconnected from the cares of the world and known that at the presence of the Lord there is peace. At the right hand of God there is peace forevermore. Come on somebody bless the name of the Lord because of this. Because I want to remind you of the promise of God. At any point you have a choice to make. You, sh you, you don't have to wait until the vaccine comes. You don't got to wait until a new president comes. You could go into the tabernacle meeting at any time of your life but you got to be willing to take that step don't wait until life is favorable you can do it you could have did it a week after the pandemic started you could have did it March 21st going to the tabernacle meeting why you wait this long to have communion with God why do you wait this long to to have communion with the Lord and the people didn't want to go in. All they wanted to do is find comfort that Moses was going in. Don't just find comfort that I'm going into the tabernacle meeting. You got to go in too. Well, I love my pastor, you know, because he's, he gets into the presence of God. He, you can tell that he hears from the Lord and he gets a word from God. You can tell the presence of God is in him. Don't just live your life piggybacking on what I'm doing for God. I'm doing it so that the example can replicate in your life. You got to take a choice for yourself, make a choice for yourself to get out of your camp and go into the tabernacle of meeting. You have to also make that choice to disconnect from the world and connect to God. Don't just say, my pastor's doing it. No. Don't just look at your leaders and say, they're doing it. No, you got to make that time. You got to make the decision for yourself to go out of your camp and get into the tabernacle of meeting. You can't just be having people praying demons out of your life all the time. You got to get the authority of God yourself. Because this is a revelation in itself. One day Moses will not be able to walk you in. That's word because Moses didn't even walk them in. He wasn't allowed to. He said, you'll lead them to the border. You won't take them in. Then what? 
And Moses pleaded with God, God, please let me, forgive me, God. I'm so sorry that I struck the rock and didn't speak to it. And what did God tell Moses? My mind is made up. Don't talk to me about this ever again. You're not taking the people of Israel into the promised land. Then what? Don't rely on me. I'm not promised tomorrow. You got to get into the holy of holies. You got to take your sandals off. You got to posture yourself before the presence of the Lord. You got to have communion with God. You should be coming in expectant because God has already impregnated your spirit when you come into the house of the Lord. Let it be like a ultrasound checkup. If I can put it in that way. When you come on Sunday morning, let it be an ultrasound checkup. You're coming on Sunday mornings to see if you're pregnant. Every Sunday, I want to see if I'm pregnant. I've been, you know, throwing up, you know, I want to see if I'm pregnant. You ought to be coming into the present already pregnant already. Impregnated by the Holy Spirit. Filled with revelation. You ought to be coming into the presence of the Lord with word already flowing in your life already. Let it be a checkup to what God is already doing in your life. When are we going to get to a place where we, we start saying Sundays can no longer be new beginnings and new beginnings and new beginnings and new beginnings. Sunday has to be a continuance of what God is already doing on my Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. We come into the house of God wanting to be impregnated and, and we want revelation and, and, and we want that, that, that uh, 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 intimacy with God. And God is saying, what good is intimacy without communion? I'm getting ahead of myself here, but that's all right, because it's the leading of the Holy Spirit. We don't, we're not seeing the importance of communion with God. We just want to have intimate moments. There's a, there's a ministry that focuses on the teaching of intimacy. Intimacy with God. Intimacy with God. Intimacy with God. I want to just correct something. You can't just have intimacy with God. You've got to have communion. It's like a relationship, a marriage between a husband and a wife. You can't just expect intimacy all the time. There has to come the point where you share coffee at the table. That's communion. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? We can't always be the people that are, you know, are, are intimate. There comes a point in time where there needs to be communion in the relationship. We can't always be living the spiritual life for intimate moments with God. God wants to know, are you, are you uh, tricking him? Are you, are you playing the part? Are you, are you married or are you, are you playing like a player? Are you a Sunday morning or are you a, a, a Monday through Sunday type of relationship with God? God's tired of the one-night stands. 
God is tired of just, you come in on Sunday and you just want a filler-upper. But you know, no communion, nothing that matters. There's, there's, there's an importance in this because we can't just say intimacy, intimacy, intimacy. There has to be communion with God. You got to share time with the Lord. You got to share your tears with God. You got to share your cares with the Lord. You got to share your heart with God. Get to a place where it means something. And it's not just like a burden on your soul. Well, if I don't pray, I won't get nothing. If I don't read my word, I, I'm going to feel rebellious. No, there has to be meaning in your relationship. There has to be a love that you have for God. Are you in love with God or, or are you infatuated with God? Are you infatuated with the idea of God? Or are you truly head over heels in love with the Lord? That's the difference between intimate Christians and communionful Christians. Don't just say, I need more of God. Don't just say, I need to pray more. I need to read more. I need to evangelize more. I need to spend more time meditating on God's word. That, that will not fix your communion with God. Look for the areas of your life that need consecration. Look at the areas that are not right with the Lord. Look at the areas that don't sit well with God's word. That's where God wants to have communion with you at. You see, many of us, many times we only want to focus on where we're doing great with God. We get so excited because we're good at that in the Lord. God is saying, look, I'm not downplaying the good that you do in me, in your life, serving me, what I want to get to is where you're failing at. I want to I find relationship with you in your rebellion. I want to find relationship with you in your hurt. I want to find relationship with you in your, your depression. I want to find relationship with you in your confusion. I want to find relationship with you where you feel lonely. I want to find relationship with you where you feel abandoned. I want to be in the areas of your life that nobody else is allowed to go in. I want to walk in the rooms where nobody else is allowed to abide at. That is the God that I serve. You see, when we only have an intimate God he is only allowed where we feel comfortable but when there is communion he sees you without makeup he sees you all getting you the all getting you the he sees you all messed up when you barely wake up have smelly breath come on somebody bless the name of the Lord he's just not your Sunday morning at 10 30 when you get all dolled up when you get all tied up no he's there when you barely wake up you ain't got no Colgate in your mouth you ain't comb your hair yet that is the communion for God that we serve. That's the relationship with God that we ought to have with him. James 4.4 4 says, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. What's, what forms of consecration do we see here? Write these down quickly. We see consecration in the life of Moses here to be a rendering commitment. The Bible says Moses took his tent. It was a rendering commitment. God is not going to force you to commit. God is not going to force you to surrender. God is not going to force you to do anything. He's a gentleman. It has to be rendered to God. If you're going to worship, render it. Don't feel obligated. If you're going to give, render it. 
you're going to praise, render it. If you're going to do something, render it to God. But Pastor, I don't, I don't feel like rendering it. Well, there's power when you don't feel like it, yet you still render it. I don't feel like rendering sometimes to God, but I do it anyways because I know that there is freedom when I choose to render to God. I don't want to wait for calamity to strike. I want to render my life to God now. I don't want to be in the bed and render. I want to render my life now to the Lord. And so Moses took his tent. God didn't ask Moses to give his tent up. No, Moses, out of his heart, rendered his tent. That's what you ought to be doing every day. Making time for God. Render time to the Lord. There's an important message in this. Because are you putting your tent outside the camp every day? Do you often set aside time to go to the tabernacle of meeting outside of the camp? There's a powerful message in that. Because how many days do we go through the week without giving time to the Lord? But we want heaven to be on call for us 24-7. Call them up, call them up, and tell them what you want. Come on, sing it. Call them up, call them up, tell them what you want. And the Holy Spirit is calling you, yeah. voicemail, voicemail, voicemail is what I want. I'm not right here right now. Call me back. Call me back. Sometime next week. Call me back. Call me back. But for the Lord, call him up. He's faithful. I'll call him anytime. He's going to answer. But when the Lord calls you, you're not rendering. You don't make time. Do you wait for the Lord to call you to make time? Or do you beat God to the punch? You ought to be beating God to the punch. Because God did not request it from Moses to take his tent and pitch it outside the camp. Moses, out of his heart, produced that worship to render his tent to the Lord. Don't wait for calamity to strike for you to render time to God. Give him your time already. Before, before you feel, oh, I'm obligated. No. Give them that time. That's the first part of that consecration. It's a rendering commitment. Not only a rendering commitment, but it is also a response to conviction. Look what Jeremiah 2.1 uh, 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 says. Go with me there, and as I finish, give me two minutes. Again, that's Jeremiah. Pastor's home. Ooh. You better send me on vacation again. I got two weeks with you before this year ends. Now, you know I love you, church. Look at the Lord gave me another message. Verse 1. He said, go and shout this message to Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says. 
I remember how eager you were to please me as a young bride long ago. How you loved me and followed me even through the barren wilderness. In those days, Israel was holy to the Lord, the first of his children. All who harmed his people were declared guilty. And disaster fell on them, and I, the Lord, have spoken. Listen to the word of the Lord, people of Jacob, all you families of Israel. This is what the Lord says. What did your ancestors find wrong with me? We're talking about, look at these ancestors. We're talking about the people of Israel that went out with Moses. The fathers of the children of Israel. He said, what did your ancestors find wrong with me? That led them to stray so far away from me. They worshiped worthless idols only to become worthless themselves. And literally they became worthless themselves because they did not inherit the promised land. The children of Israel inherited the promised land. They did not ask. Look at this. Look at look what happens when we're so involved into the cares of the world. We forget to ask, where is the Lord who brought us safely out of Egypt? And led us through the barren wilderness. A land of deserts and pits. A land of drought and death where no one lives or even travels. You remember your Egypt, barren wilderness, land of desert. You remember your pit. You remember your land of drought and death where no one lived or even traveled. You remember your ugliness. And the Lord is saying, see, when you're so worried about the cares of this world, you start forgetting to ask, where is the Lord? And when I brought you into a fruitful land to enjoy its bounty and goodness, you defiled my land and corrupted possessions I had promised you. The priest did not even ask. Where is the Lord? Those who taught my word ignored me. The rulers turned against me. And the prophets spoke in the name of Baal, wasting their time on worthless idols. Therefore, I will bring my case against you, says the Lord. I will bring charges against your children's children in the years to come. Go west and look to the land of Cyprus. Go east and search the land of Kedar. Has anyone ever heard of anything as strange as this? Look at this, verse 11. Powerful verse. I love this verse. Has a nation ever traded its gods for new ones? Even though they are not gods at all? In other words, the unbelievers, the pagans, always changing their gods. Always. Has a nation changed it? Many times. Yet my people have exchanged their glorious God for worthless idols. See, it's one thing for the world to exchange their gods. It's another thing that as the people of God, we're exchanging our glorious God for worthless idols. All of this that's happening right now is to remind us that there is a tabernacle of meeting. And when you feel, when you feel Apart from God, that's not a sign for you to tighten up or get hard-hearted. That's a sign for you to soften up and break before the presence of the Lord. When you feel discouraged and you feel, I don't want nothing to do with God. I don't want nothing to do with praise. I don't want nothing to do with the word. That's a sign for you to humble yourself. 
Or when you're in a place, check this out. When you're in a place where you cry out to God because a part of you is thirsty. Part of you is thirsty. Yet you still do not see a river before you. That is not a sign for you to get even more hard. No. That's a sign for you to surrender while you can and call out to the Lord. See a saving hand. Maybe you're in a place right now where you say, you know what, Pastor, I'm calling out or I feel distant away from God and I don't see a way out. I don't, I don't see any hope. I don't see any, any alleviation coming to my spirit. Get on your knees. Don't harden the even harder before God. How, how can we say, I'm trying, I want to get closer to God. So you have the desire to get closer to God, but you're stiffening and you're hardening up before God. You know you need God. You've come to realize the need that you have for God, but you don't want to surrender before God. You can't want God and try to do it on your own still. For you to truly want God and see God come into your life, that means you've got to stop walking. You have to stop trying and call out to God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. And see the saving of God begin to invade your life. Communion starts with what? Rendering your life. Surrendering to Him. You can't have communion with God if you're not willing to surrender. You know you need more time with God? Don't pick up more things to do. Let me say that again. If you know you need more time with God, don't add to your schedule. Clear your schedule. Make time for God. I feel like, you know, I'm about to backslide. I better keep my mind busy. Lord said, no. Erase your whole to-do list. What? Then I'm going to fall. If you rely on your strength. But if you erase your to-do list and you just give me all of your time. You'll see that you won't backslide. There's only so much we can run away from. Until it comes and gets us. But when we rely on the strength of the Lord. Boy, when we rely on the strength of God. That communion with God. It keeps you secure. There are times where I, I feel it. I have to clear my schedule and I have to pray. I have to just pray because I know the peace that I want to have will never be there. It'll only be a desire and a thought if I don't put action. I'll always wake up every morning saying, I need more peace. I need, need more joy. I need, need more love. I, I, nothing but to-dos on my list. It had never come to pass until I clear out my schedule and just make time for God. 
before this year ends, start making time for God. Don't wait until the new year comes. Start right now. Start now. Start having communion with God now. And quit seeking intimate times. Share coffee with God. Quit asking Him for revelation. Just share coffee with the Lord. Share time with Him. It's offensive to always want to be intimate and not communionful. It's like a husband and a wife leaving for a whole month and just coming back to be intimate and then leaving again. There's no communion. There's no relationship. It's offensive to God that you come and only want revelation and impregnation of the Holy Spirit, but you have no communion with the Lord. You want to be impregnated on Sunday morning, but He's in your back seat Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And then you come Sunday for intimacy, and then Monday there's no communion. Come on, somebody. Am I, am I speaking truth? Why don't you start focusing now on communion with God? Leave the intimacy. God knows when. There's an impregnation of the Holy Spirit going to come in your life. But focus more on communion. Spend time with the Lord. You got a couple of minutes free? Spend time with God. Don't be selfish. Don't give it to nobody else. Give it to God. I promise you, mark my words. I give you my word. I give you my word. When you make time for God, you'll lack nothing in your life. Nothing in your life. When you make time for God, He sends checks where you don't even know where they're coming from. When you spend time with God, when God is your richness, poverty doesn't exist in your life. In every aspect spiritual and physical when God is everything to your life how do I know because I'm living it living by faith by faith and I've not seen the just the righteous forsaken neither their children begging for bread you give your time to the Lord you'll see God will provide in every area of your life stand up committed to that communion this evening stand to your feet committed to that communion and just raise your hand. Raise your hands and just worship him for a moment right now as we come to a close. Just take a moment right now to just praise him. Just worship him. For who he is. what he's done in your life father we give you thanks you are our God you're not just Sunday 1030 you are my 24 7 I declare you are the way you are the truth but father become my life 
become my life, Lord. I want, to, I want you to be more of my life. I don't want you to be my Sunday best. I want you to be my week best. My every day. My every moment. Father, for those that are feeling discouraged, don't know where to begin. Let them have hope that they can just begin in repentance. There's no secret formula to getting close to you, God. The answer is in repentance. The answer is seeking restoration in you, forgiveness. Father, right now, maybe we, we don't have a list of things that we need to get right with you in. But as we surrender to you tonight, Father, as we come out of these doors with the process, begin where we can render our lives to you, God. In the places that still display rebellion. In the places of our lives that still display Ignorance. Father, give us wisdom, Lord. Begin to give us knowledge, Father God. As we surrender to you, Lord. True wisdom and true knowledge, Father God, comes with communion. Not just quick impregnation, God. This is not an overnight revelation, God. Our greatest understanding of you is in our daily with you. It's the small moments in the car, Father, when we take the time to just worship you at a stoplight and we're so embarrassed because somebody's looking at us just caught up in your presence. Lord, it's the small decisions we make, Lord, to shut off from the world and just make time for you. The moments where we can decide to do something else, but we decide you instead. You, Father. Lord, let us take out our journals again, God. Lord, let us run the ink in our pens again, Father. Let us stock up on the Kleenexes in our home, Father. Let us prepare the secret closet again, Father. Let us clear out the closet we, we made for our past time, Father, and let us turn it into the place where we pray at, we seek you at. For Lord, there is nothing like your presence.